Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Oh, you 
Ladies and gentlemen, I saw this and I realized we can't allow it in Fanero. Can you allow this in Fanero? We're going to pray for you. And the Lord is going to put your bones back in order. You're not going with this. The pain is going to leave. The pain is going to leave. What was it? An accident? You fell? Car? What? You fell down. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put this hand back. He said, he said, I didn't say, he said, you shall lay hands on the sick. He said, I, he said, he said, and they shall be healed. And he said, and you shall cast out devils in my name, and they shall flee. Hallelujah. He says, if you only believe. Hallelujah. We're going to lay hands on this woman right now. We're going to remove this thing and the pain is going to leave now. Somebody stretch your hands toward this woman.
Jesus. We rebuke that crippling spirit. We command these bones to get in order right now. We command this pain to loose. We speak a creative miracle right now. We command these joints to get in order. We command this hand to be healed right now. Thank you, Lord. The pain leaves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Remove. Stretch it. Stretch it. It's gone. Hallelujah. 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 Just raise your, put your hand on your eye right now. In fact, your left eye has a seeing problem. Somebody on my left. Then I see like two people with hearing issues on my right. In the name of Jesus, just put your hand in your ear right now. 
in the name of Jesus. Young woman in black, what's wrong with your ears? Ask her for me, what's wrong with her ears? Sorry? Sorry? The painful. Okay. The Lord heals you. Somebody, the Lord is healing right now. I feel healing. Oh, she also has her issues. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ, we command these eyes to be restored. We command them to be restored. Be healed. In the name of Jesus, you're not going to be operated. You're not going to be operated. So people with, with eye issues, somebody up there, I feel God is healing somebody. Hearing. God is opening an ear. If you have an ear that has been deaf, one of your ears has been deaf. Right now, it's opening. Right now. In the name of Jesus, we command those ears to open. Right now. Right now. If somebody's ear is opening. Right now. Somebody's ear is opening. Like that. Somebody's ear. Your, one of your ears had an issue. It's opening. It's opening. The Lord is healing you right now. The Lord is healing you right now. If you want, you can come and testify. The Lord is healing somebody's ear right now. That lady with pain in the ears, the Lord is healing you right now. In the name of Jesus, we command that pain to go. We command that pain to go. We command it to go. Thank you, Lord. Are you feeling any pain anymore? Ask her. Shake your leg, your hands, whatever it is. The pain is gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Our Jesus is a healer. Tell your neighbor, our Jesus is a healer. Ah, Jesus is a healer. You may be seated. Tonight I wanted to speak something a bit more sensitive. Hallelujah. But, but of God. Hallelujah. I want to preach something called the door of utterance. Okay? Many people, when they ask, what do you mean by a door of utterance? How do you mean by a door of utterance? How do you mean by the utterance? We want to understand. What do you mean by the door of utterance? I wanted to explain a few things to you by the scriptures in the few minutes that we have here. And let me believe that the Lord will do something in your life. Let me tell you something. Many Christians don't have results because their door of utterance is closed. They have something that blabs. Paul calls it vain jangling. Vain jangling means that you can speak, but you don't get the results. You can say, in the name of Jesus, I break this, I cast out that, I build it, I breathe, breathe. You get it. it doesn't matter how much you break, you get it? But it doesn't matter how long you break. If something does not open up for you to utter, if something doesn't have weight, you see, utterance is the power. And let me repeat, let me say it very clearly. Utterance is the power of logos. That is why the Greek word for utterance is logos. Okay? And the entity of logos is vindicated by the weight of logos. How heavy is the word of God upon your mouth? When you throw out a word like this, what effect does it have? Do you just speak words and then they're, yeah, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to be sick. I refuse to be sick as you coil and die. Do you speak certain words and say, in the name of Jesus, I shall be rich and then tomorrow you wake up poor. Do you say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get married next year. Now you've spoken next year since you were a teenager. You're going to make six things. Are you still next yearing? Hallelujah. Why? Because the words of your mouth do not have weight. Today, I just want to open the message that gives the words weight. God wants to give you an utterance that becomes too heavy for men to bear. The book of Amos chapter 7 verse 10 says something. Let's open that. Listen to what the priest tells the king. 
Amos. Amos chapter 7. The Bible says, And then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. He says, The land is not able to bear all his words. I don't know if you understand what I mean. They got to a point where the, the land could not bear the word. Amos could speak something and the land can't bear. I don't know if you understand. God wants to give you a word that Kampala can't bear. He wants to give you something that Uganda can't stand. He wants to give you something that Africa can't stand. That no witch doctor can stand. That no, no, no hater can stand. You get what I'm trying to tell you. That nobody, no nothing can stand. That's the weight of the word. That the, the Bible says when you decree a thing, it's established. You just decree it. The moment, that's why at that particular point, when utterance is open to your spirit, the first thing that you take heed of is how you speak certain things. Because you can't speak certain things anymore. Because even, you say, even if you say, eh, you create the power to be tired. Every word out of your lips carries weight. Are you hearing me? When a man learns the weight of his words and logos hits your spirit and the door of utterance is opened upon you, you realize that joking to a certain extent also has consequences. You don't joke a certain way. And I've seen Christians like that. You say, hi, David. You say, Pastor Nixon, it means, oh, poor me. I was translating for the Kenyan in the house. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Why? Because your words have weight. Your words have weight. One time I told people of a story. A woman was married for eight years. Wait, eight. Eight. And the husband told her, now, eight's here. Then she comes. Apostle, you are the last hope. What do you mean? She says, I've spoken to men of God. The word was against. I've gone everywhere. Now they've told me. How many years? Eight years. I was standing on a road. Even It wasn't even a nice road. I remember very well it was a carod in Kawempe there. Here they used to put meat. Somebody used to smoke meat. I don't even know what I was doing there. <laughs> she comes and says, Oh, I told her, Go and produce three words. She said, Amen. Now can we pray? I told her, You don't understand. <laughs> you see, that's what the Bible, the book of Genesis, I think 11, says. When these guys plan to build a tower, Babel, you remember? When they plan to build a tower, Babel, and the Bible says they said to one another, let us go and let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime, for they, they for mortar. And then they said to each other, we want, let's build something to go up there. You get what I'm trying to tell you? And indeed the Bible says that these guys built a city, they built a tower that they might keep themselves a name. And the Bible says, and God came down and then confounded the languages. He confused their languages. You get it? And when the Lord confounded their languages, the Lord said, behold, look at this, the people is one and they have all one language. You see? They had one language. Now, if you understand very well, you realize that Genesis 11, 1, 1, sorry, Genesis 11, verse 1, says that they were of one language language and one speech. You get it? 
So there's a place where they have one language and one speech. You can have one language and have a different speech. You can have a different speech but a different language. Same speech, different language, or different language, same speech. Some people, what they speak is not what they're speaking. You get it? Some people, what they're communicating is not what they're communicating. You get it? So let's go back. He says, and then the Lord said, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. So that's what God wants to do. He works with the language of the spirit, the language he understands. You see that? When he works with the language that he understands, the Bible says, and this they begin to do. Now listen to the mystery. He says, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they imagine. Do not take it. Nothing they imagine. The moment they imagine like this, they are not denied. So that the power of access now is no longer in prayer, but it's in imagination. He says nothing that, you see, the, the, the Hebrew word for restraint is nothing that they imagine can be held back from them. That means anything they imagine, they create. Any, so, creation goes past the prayer that you make in your bedroom to the thought, because now your thought becomes the prayer. Your thought becomes prayer. That's why when you understand the mystery of the language of the spirit, what you think you pray. What you think you pray. That's why the Bible says, for as a man thinks, so he is. Some people, they just have a more composed line of Mokama. They be like New Testament. You know New Testament. For him, he sings poems for God. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, God is relational. He's a person. Now, in all humility, I want to submit to you this one thing. When the language and the speech are the same, the place of thought is prayer. Because he has said now, he has even robbed power from just the words they speak in communion to the thought and mind they carry in the communion. And he says that nothing that they imagine shall be impossible. Oh God, what are you imagining? Are you imagining your landlord get out of the house? I mean, some of you are imagining right now the landlord is, you know, the landlord is throwing you out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's working. It's working. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? Why? Because you think certain things. You think certain things. And the moment you think certain things, you start to provide for the hedge of God to leave you. God has not only walled you in, he has hedged you in. Hedging means that it's, it's not only the protection on the outside. There's, there's spooks, there's spiritual things that can't let anything get to you. The Bible says he has hid you where fowls cannot get. And any creeping animals can't get to. You're being hedged in of the Lord. That's the protection of God. The sheer line of protection on any Christian, on any Christian is the hedging in of the spirit. Every person must be hedged in. And that is why the devil is walking and then God asks the devil, where have you come from? From whence thou comest from? And he says, I've been thither and thither. The devil is funny. Here and there. You get it? I've been doing this business and that business. And God said, have you considered my servant, Job? And God says, for there is none perfect like this guy. Job is 100% perfect. Have you considered him? 
Okay, let's read. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, the perfect and none upright man, one that feareth good and escheweth evil? Next verse. And Satan answered the Lord, and said, Doth Job fear you for nothing? Next verse. Has thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on... I don't understand whether you understand. And all that he has on every side. That... You see, when we're talking about the hedging, we're not talking about you being protected from a car accident. No. We're talking of your car also being protected. Oh, oh, the Bible says, the Lord is my portion. He maintains my lot. Then you hear people saying, oh, you see, some of you, you should have been married. Then a certain man took your husband. He, 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 listen, or what about it? Why? They don't take yours. Why? Because the Bible says, the Lord is my portion. And he is Maintaineth my Lord. He maintaineth my Lord. But you find Christians singing. I went to the enemy's camp. And I. Stole from me. And I. And I. They're taking back. And when I see them take back. I say wonderful you take back. I have stood in Psalm 16.5 they don't steal my stuff he maintains my lot I don't know about you I, I don't know about you but me he maintains my lot he maintains my lot the Hebrew word for maintaining is going around as to make sure nothing is wrong with it if, 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 who, who has a Mercedes ML350 here put up your hand Look at unbelievers. Speaketh of things that are not as though they are. Come on, somebody. If you have an ML350, God is like this. He maintains my Lord. And they ask him, God. And they ask God, what are you doing? He says, mm, it's a postal grace's car. Postal grace. If you don't want to put your name, that's your problem. Tell your neighbor, he maintains my lot. He maintains my lot. He maintains my lot. So I imagine a Christian going to hell, getting sound solo back. Getting that old Sony thing from China. It's even Sony. It's not Sony. It's Sony. It's Panasonic. That day I saw a phone called Samsung. I was like, what? I think they meant Samsung, right? And then you go back to, to take back what the enemy stole for you. Tell your neighbor he maintains my lot. Tell your neighbor he maintains my lot. Say it in Luganda. That's my faith. So God, the devil asks Jesus. Yes, God. Has, has, <laughs> this, this job guy you're talking about. This perfect thing you call perfect. Do you think, have you held that guy for nothing? As in, does he worship you for nothing? Does he fear you for nothing? 
For he says that Satan has said, Thou hast made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he has on every side. And thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased. Does he worship you for nothing? Next verse. And then God says, I mean, Satan says, But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you. Next verse. And the Lord said, Many people misunderstand this scripture. The Lord said, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. The Bible says, the Lord didn't say, behold, I have given you everything he has. He says, you see, all that he has is in your hand. Meaning the devil didn't know. The devil was not seen. He says, behold, all that he has is in your hand. You see. You see. And then the devil said, Kumbe, the hedge left. Yes, it left. But the devil was too used with Job having a hedge. That the day it left, he didn't know it had left. You know, the devil can get so used of you being anointed. <laughs> he can get so used of you being rich. That, that someday even when you don't have money in your pocket, he, he still says you're rich. And he can just got you. So God, God told the guy, behold. Perceive in the spirit. The hedge is gone. Ecclesiastes 10 is. He that diggeth the pit shall fall in it. And him removeth the hedge, the serpent shall bite. Somebody must remove the hedge. If the hedge is not removed, you cannot be beaten. Who removes? Now, many people don't understand that when the Bible says, whosoever breaketh on the hedge, the serpent shall bite. Even God cannot remove the hedge because he would submit himself under a principle to be afflicted of the devil. He's, that's a, listen, that's not a command. That's a principle. That's a principle. It's not a command. It's a principle. And God cannot submit himself under principle to afflict him because he's God. He said, whosoever, he that diggeth. He didn't say, except me, God. He said, he that diggeth. That's why the Bible says he tempted no man and neither he's tempted by evil. God cannot think that way. He cannot remove a hedge of a man. The giftings and callings of God are without repentance. So if the giftings and callings of God are without repentance, if he has given you a hedge, definitely he's not there to take it away. God does not, the Bible says, he's not the God who allows a woman to become pregnant and she does not bring forth. God is not the God who gave you that car. You know, one time I had a certain preacher many years ago, she said, you see, some of you are asking for cars. And then the Lord said, I'm not going to give you a car. And then, 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 of course, I'm limited. And then, and then, and then you say, but God, why don't you give me that car? And then, and then God tells you, if I give you that car, you'll have a car accident. So there's someone who says, humbly, God, don't give me that car. <laughs> and while they are saying, don't give me that car, I say, God, may give it to me. <laughs> then when I take it like this, I sit in it and then I start to say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He will send his angels church over me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. Jehovah Jireh cares for me. Boom, 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 boom. Jehovah Jireh. Me don't give me. 
accident. <laughs> oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you get my point here? Listen, all good and perfect gifts come from God. But did you realize the Bible says, in whom there is no shadow of turning? Some people think like God is, is like those small boys who have shadow of turning. And then they give you a mobile phone. And then they say, give me back my phone. I'm not your friend. Why have you annoyed me? Okay, pray. Then you pray. Then they bring you back. And, then after that, and by the way, if you, if you annoy me again, that's called shadow of turning within. My God is not like that. You know, one time I was thinking, my God, why do people take you for? They think you're going to get Samsung Galaxy and take it to heaven and put it where? Does heaven need network? Does it work on Android? You know, some Christians, there's a way they think. The gifts and callings of God are without. So the hedge he has put upon you, he will not remove. The only person who can remove the hedge is you. It's you. It's you. It's not anybody. It's you. And that is why now we read later, I think in Job, I think chapter 3. He says, and the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. He greatly, you know, Job every time, he was thinking, I'll get disease. I'll get disease. I'll get disease. He feared it. He feared it. There's someone right now anticipating barrenness. There's someone anticipating um, fibroids. There's someone anticipating divorce. There's someone anticipating loss of job. There's someone anticipating someone failure. There's someone anticipating someone accident. They're anticipating cancer. They're anticipating HIV. They're anticipating. They're fainting. They're fearing. He says, and the thing that I greatly feared is common to me. Oh, you don't get it. Amplify. Give me amplify. He says, for the thing which I greatly feared comes Use present continuous. Thank God. Amplified says, for the thing which I greatly feared comes upon me. Do you see that the Amplified has actually amplified it more seriously? Whatever you fear, I am sure. Hey, don't touch it again. Do you know people who are extra careful? Extra careful. Why did Job, let me tell you now for the parents, why did Job lose his kid? Lord lost his kids because every time he looked at them, he was too careful. My children. My children. My children. Something can happen to them. I think he would come even at midnight and then check whether they are okay because he expects temperature. You know those kinds of... <laughs> you, you think you're caring, but you're removing the hedge. You, you think you're caring, but you're removing the hedge. God has not called us to careful faith. He has called us to reckless faith. He says, be careless for nothing. You, God has not called you to be with faith, but also with care. Be healed in the name of Jesus. How are you now? Is the temperature going? No, 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 no. Don't care where there is faith. Because faith does not explain the reason of sight. It's the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. The place that give you an, gives you an elderly position, the ranks in the spirit of faith, is when you refuse to care. It's when you refuse to care. It's when you refuse to care. The moment you pray for someone, and then they call you and they say, like one time, um, a family called me and they had, um, they had a sick child. And then I prayed for the child. 
And then after that, they call me at night and say, Musumba, they call me now, they say, this is worsened. When you prayed, yes, but now, Musumba, I don't know whether, I don't know what. The kid passed out. He threw coma. And then the father at night calls me. At night. It should have been, no, actually morning, about 2 a.m. Musumba, something is happening. You pray, you pray. Such that we all join the whole bandwagon of unbelievers being careless. And then we also start, in the name of Jesus, we cast out, we break that spirit of infirmity that is disturbing this kid. You get it? They, they expect us to get there. They expect that. You know what I did? I told the man, man of God, hang up this phone. I am going to pray. You get it? He hung up. Okay, pastor. Qua. Then I just took one minute. And I meditated. I prayed. That's enough. Nothing they imagined. That's enough. I prayed. Then I went to sleep. Then after like 15 minutes, <laughs> and I told them also, yeah. Nothing they imagined. Nothing they imagined. I think you seek. You better be spiritual enough. You fall sick. Why? Because I've realized that the power is in the salt. That's the true place of spiritual warfare. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the mighty in Christ. For the pulling down of strongholds, where are they? In the mind, casting down imaginations. Where is it? In the mind. And he says and breaking every, next verse, seeing uh-uh, that ex- every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of Christ. You know God is a healer but something has exalted itself above his healing. And he says and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience. The problem is here the problem is not your landlord. The problem is not what is happening around you. It's not what even the doctors say. The problem is here. The moment they say cancer, warfare starts. Like it's a movie. And then the Christian starts to play their movie in the head. And then they see themselves become smaller. And then they coil. And then they are in the coffin. And then people say, they even attend their funeral when they're still in the body. They see the reverend who is going to bury them. They see the sisters in the gomeshes, the wife with the cape, the brother stealing, the cousin what? Then they start to say, let me write my will. I saw my brother stealing. You get it? Then they provide enough for their and then you find someone and say, I am ready to die. You're not 70 and you're ready. You're not 70 and you're ready to die. Do you get where I'm coming from? Do you see where I'm coming from? And when they start to play that movie like this, imaginations, death exalted itself against the knowledge of life. You get it? Disease, bondage, and all these things start to format. And before you know it, the body now starts to respond because the body is a transactor. Romans 8. The body does business. It is born. For it, it can deal with anyone. If cancer comes, it says, I want. You get it? 
if, if flu comes, the body says, I want. And that is why it's very easy to live a divine health life. Divine health is your portion. Why? Because you just know how, you just learn to deal with the transactions of the body. Your body transacts. And that's why the Bible says that if you live by the flesh, you will die. But if you buy the spirit, mortify, kill the transactions of the, of the, of the body, you will live. That particular point, the one who tells your body what to do, it doesn't tell you what to do. Some of you, people I've seen the other day, I've seen on Simanya TV, anti-aging creams. I said, God, thank you for salvation. Because while men are putting anti-aging cream, for us, we just go in the mirror. Then we say, Randalaba. Shandala. Shandala. Shamandalabara. Zonde Brekele. Shanda Karaba. Shalalanda Rababa. Selene. Kro. Sotele. Mando Lebro. Kosile. Rakaran. Rakaran. Rikaran. Roselendele. Shanda Kara. Brostele. Some of you are going to be 80, but you're going to look 40. In the name of Jesus. And I've spoken it. My word is heavy. Now your, 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 your aging disease can't bear it. In the name of, I mean, if men lived 600 years under the law, under the Old Testament dispensation, let's just say not necessarily law, but Old Testament. What about you new creature? What about you new creature? One time I saw Kenneth Hagen at 80. And he was dancing. I saw an 80-year-old dancing like this. I said, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you're going to have 80 and then you go like this. Some of you are 35, but you even start, you come up La Bonita. By the time you cross Christ the King, you're breathing. I thought the body is also your Lord. He maintained I just helped somebody. I don't know who. Hallelujah. Refuse to grow old like eh, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Refuse to give me I'm old, you see me. Refuse to grow old. Refuse to die. Refuse to die. Say I refuse to die, Ali. Say it, I refuse to die. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what we're saying. I refuse to die. So Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has what? Has come upon me. Now, look at what he said. And that which I was afraid of is come and to me. Next verse. Look at what he did. I was not in safety. That means he was restless. Neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet. That means he even spoke. Every time Job was saying, Bananga, you can imagine my children dying. Oh! You know, I had a childhood friend. He used to always say, if I get the child, I commit suicide. You know, when I understood this mystery, I started praying for the guy. You understand? Why do you even speak those things? Why do you go to that line of imagining that they are divorcing you? Can me if they... Huh? He wakes up in the morning and he says, I'm divorcing you. Daddy. At that particular point, demons are typing your divorce papers. You might not know. That's what I'm trying to say. What you don't want to see in your life, don't talk about it either positively or negatively. Either positively or negatively, don't talk about it. He said, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things have good report, if they have any good in them, he says, think on these things. He said, think of these things. Let's get it there. He says, think on these things. What is good? What is lovely? What is beautiful? What is, what is of good report? The Bible says, he said, therefore, brethren, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Wait. Uh-huh. One, let's go. Finally, brethren, uh-huh, whatsoever things are, 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 if there be, if there be, think on, what does the next verse say? Those things which you have both had and received and had, seeing me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's what it does. Shalom shall be with you. You shall have peace in your home, in your family, in your business because of the thoughts that you carry. Because your thoughts are your prayers. That's why the moment you get in the middle of a funny thought, me, me, let me tell you my life. I have learned to rewind wrong thought and play another. You get it? Such a, for example, if, if I just imagine something bad and then I take two minutes, and then I press rewind and then I see my head. Then I delete. Then I replay it in my own version. Some of you think you just be doing it. No. That is spiritual warfare. Strongholds. Imagination. Every high thing that sets itself against the knowledge. And bring into captivity. That's the thing where you arrest your thoughts to the obedience of Christ. What has Christ said about me? I arrest my thoughts for that. I arrest my thoughts for what Christ has spoken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the essence of the gospel. Shortly, he shall crush the devil under your feet. Shortly, not even long, no. Shortly, he will bruise the devil. If you want to see, that's why the Bible says that the, the light afflictions which people carry, I refuse now to go there, I no longer carry light afflictions. I'm past affliction now. I claim it. Go my new watch. It's okay. He says, but the light afflictions, the Bible says, that we carry, they cannot be compared to the weight of glory that shall be what? Revealed in us. These small things you're going through always envision that there is something way bigger than what you're going through. Always be in the mind that the moment something happens, boom. Your thought is telling you, ah, yeah, 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 there is glory. That's why if anything happens, I just say there is glory. Yeah, I got a problem. An issue. It came. I just laughed. <laughs> I felt laughter. And then it came for real. <laughs> of course, I'm not sure. You see, I just want to let the devil understand. Everything is working for my good. It's called practicing faith. Exercising yourself unto godliness. Are you hearing me? When you exercise yourself unto godliness, you start to act like God. Remember the scripture? He says he looks at the, wife, the, the chicks and then the plans the sons of men have against to conspire evil. And the Bible says, and the Lord sees from afar and he laughs. When the devil sees people bewitching you, he laughs. God, sorry. When he sees people bewitching you, he laughs. Because he's seeing people doing what? That's the nature of your God. 
The moment he sees people, the says, and then he looks afar. And when he looks afar, I don't know where he can give me that scripture. And when he looks afar, the Bible says he sees. Psalms what? Psalms what? Two. Yeah. The Bible says he looks afar. He looks afar. And then he sees the plot and the plans that they have. And the Bible says, and the Lord laughs. Hallelujah. He laughs. Why is he laughing? He's laughing because he's thinking, eh? These people are fashioning against my child. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. What makes God laugh should make you laugh. The moment something happens, you start laughing. You laugh. You laugh. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, he says, this is love made perfect that we might have confidence in that day. For as he is, so in this, as in this present world. So the moment something comes to your life, if God is laughing, also you join the laughter. says that it is me and God laughing at the devil. Do you have any issue in your life? I give you five seconds. <laughs> no, you're not laughing. That is fake. Hallelujah. God looks at what the devil does in your life and he laughs. So, some of you, you look at the same and you start crying. Then you say, oh God, why is he doing that? He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in the region. He just laughs. So, learn to laugh about issues. The same thing. I had an issue. I just started laughing. I laughed. And I realized you fake it at first. But then, the moment you start walking in the world, it starts to become real. I said to love and love and love and love. I laughed through the problem. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that he that is of a merry is of a merry heart. The Bible says is of a continual feast. The moment you put heart, you put a merry heart in your soul, in your spirit, and put merry in your heart. You can. The Bible says that he, he that is of a merry heart. The Bible says he has a continual feast. Things start to work. Anything that happens, just smile. Fake it. You may not feel it. That's okay. But fake it and laugh. So hard. But it says, but all the days of the afflicted are evil. The moment a man claims affliction, he starts to attract evil by evil by evil by evil. That is why, look at, look at the correlation between people who complain a lot and people who are afflicted. Same. Why? Because, you see, evil... Listen, the problem was one that they had to laugh over. They acclaimed it and gave it a power. And then the Bible says they are afflicted, they are evil. All their days are evil. The next day, more problem. I said there are some people who get into one problem and then they get into another and then they get into another and then they get into another and then they go through downward spirals of getting through issues that they never come out of. You know why? Very simple. They don't know how to fight. They are weak. Everything breaks them. That's why the prophet asks, why dost thou weep? Is there no king in you? Is your counselor dead? Why do you cry over everything? No, 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 no. That's the point where you just open your mouth and start to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. So that's why he says in the Corinthian book that he says that the, the, the light afflictions that people carry, they cannot be compared to the weight of glory. 
They cannot be compared to what is coming ahead. But how can it work? He says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. While you look not, while you look not, while we look not, how does it work a glory? While we look not, yes, you fail. Turn away from failure. Look at success. And it will work an amount of glory. That's the victory of a Christian. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. What is our faith? The evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Learn to be a bit crazy. When you deal with God. Ah. I told people the first time I prayed for a fresh broken leg, I was in an overnight. I told people, stand up. And all of them stood up. And then I said, sir, why aren't you standing up? They said, he has a leg problem. I said, bring him here. Ming, I'm thinking, leg problem, simple. Mama, they carried the guy to the pulpit. And the leg was like this. Like, broken, fresh. Asked him, what happened? <laughs> he told me I was riding a bike and it broke. He said, What? I told people we're going to pray. Close your eyes and we pray. Christians did like this. And I started telling myself, you can't fail. You cannot fail. I was just telling myself, you can't. Even if you try and say, let me fail, you just fall into success. You can't fail. I said, I can't fail. I, can't. I just said, I can't fail. I can't fail. I cannot. It cannot. It cannot. It cannot. Nenga here. I said, can't. It can't fail. It cannot fail. Even if it wants, it cannot fail. I don't fail. It's not in My God, I stretched this ignorant hand, speaking faith. And the leg just... I saw it shrink. You should have seen how I got up. you get it and I realize that this begins with you it begins with you while you look not while you look not at the things that are seen refuse to consider that situation start to look on that which works look on that which works it doesn't matter what's not working right now you understand it doesn't matter what is not working just think it's working And that's why many people don't understand that the true door of utterance is grace. God coming in. Colossians chapter 3. Let's read it. Let me explain that. Let me qualify that. It's not explaining but qualification. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3. If you're there you say amen. 
same day. Mm-mm, four. Let's bring the third verse. What does it say? He says, without praying, huh? also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. The word there for utterance I said is logos. Okay? To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in bound. Bound, sorry. Next verse. That I may fanero it. As I ought to speak it. That's the true line of unuttered door. If it's a door of utterance, you manifest what you speak. 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 Whatever you speak is manifested. He says now, he says that I may manifest it as I ought to speak it. That you realize that the scriptures don't say that I speak it as I ought to manifest it. Do you realize the scriptures say that I manifest it as I ought to speak it? That means the old experiences of speaking is that you must produce the results of everything you speak. That is why when the Bible says that men shall be judged for every idle word, the word there for idle is the word you spoke that didn't have power. Some of you think idle words is when you say, you're all blue, maroni, pink. No, idle words are things that you speak and they do not carry power, but they carry the form. They carry a form of godliness, but denying the very power thereof. You will be judged if your word does not have power. Men, listen, Christianity is not idle speech. The Bible says that the word of God is not mere words, but it is power, even mighty to save. Let me tell you, we have spoken. People have gone to conferences, prayer weeks, conventions, prayer mountains, overnight, half nights, quarter nights. Let me tell you, people have had things. The people who are seated here are not new in the gospel. You've been long enough to hear everyone speak. But we have to get to a point where we realize, no, we've spoken enough. Can we manifest? Because let me tell you, we can, listen, that's the old speaking experience. He says that I may make manifest even as I ought to speak it. That means God expects a certain integrity, the efficacy of the word that comes out of your mouth. It must have enough integrity to produce fruit. That's the true place of speaking. If not, don't even open your mouth and say, I am healed. Because you'll die if your words don't have weight. And that is why they say, I am healed, but they die. Why? Because they are judged. They are judged. The words spoken are idle. They are idle. They are loose words. They don't have results. They don't come with the power and form. They can't speak something that can make cancer and restless. You get it? Like I read for you in in Amos 7.10. He says that the word of Amos became too heavy for the land to bear. You must be able to speak something that when you speak it, it suppresses and gives cancer a headache. It gives HIV a headache. It gives that sickness a headache. It gives that flu a headache. It gives that problem a headache. It gives that man a headache. You get it? You speak something and then it just changes it. You must have what? With power. The gospel is not, we've spoken. Again, I repeat, we have spoken. People have spoken. But the distinctions of the gospel now come by the divinications of the spirit. The Bible says that's the great mystery of godliness. He came in the flesh. He was vindicated by the spirit. If anybody carries God, the spirit must justify him. He must put weight to your word. And that is why he said in Isaiah that I shall pour my spirit upon your seed. Luke 8.11, the seed is the word. The parable is in Luke 8, 11, that the seed is a word. 
That means that God has promised that he will pour an anointing on your words. And that's the place where the man starts to brand his spirit. Branding. Listen, if the world has learned to brand, the world has learned to brand. A guy sells a Coca-Cola at the same price as a Reham Cola. A Reham Cola has 200 milliliters more than the Coca-Cola, but the Coca-Cola still maintains its price. Why? Because Coke is a strong brand. You get it? So that's his price for 300 ml. The same price that another guy will sell for more mLs. That's okay. That's Coca-Cola. That's his brand. You'll never get him out of market. You could tap both drinks under the same. But brother, he's branded. It's a Mercedes. It's not a Toyota. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is. If it's progress, it's a, they call it what? The poor man's Benz. But it's, you see, they say it's a Mercedes. Back in the day, we used to say it's a Nokia. We used to say it's a Nokia. Because every Nyangore had a Nokia. You get it? Because it's the brand. When you bring a phone called Itel, people say, oh, <laughs> Itel, is that a phone? Why? Because of the power of the brand. It comes with a particular owner. The world has learned to brand their spirits. They've learned to brand their spirits. Let me tell you. Ah, thank you, Holy Ghost. It came, it came. Let me tell you. You see, Auntie, you see, Logos is translated from the root word Lego, and Lego means to pick up something. The spirit of revelation is like that. You just pick something in the spirit. I just pick something. Cristiano Ronaldo, how much was he bought to Real Madrid? 84 million what? Pounds. 84 million pounds. When you get inside those guys, even if they're not spiritual men, there is something they learned about the spirit world. Listen, nothing just responds. Understand this. Nothing in this world just responds. Nothing in this world just responds. Nothing. Nothing. Why do I go back to the 1822s and the man says, just as I am without one plea. And you still know it. And a man can sing a song in 1992 and you don't remember it. Nothing. Listen, nothing in this world just happens to appeal. There is a force that attracts everything. There is a force that attracts everything. It's there. It's there. Nobody just wakes up and they say, oh, I'm a success because they woke up. No, no. There are certain principles. He says if a man requires a mastery of things, he must be temperate in all things. The word temperate there is must understand the patterns that create temperacy. The patterns that create the mastery. You can want to be a good businessman, but you want to be a master at business. You can want to be a good lawyer, but you want to be a master in law. You can want to be a good preacher, but you want a mastery in preaching. You can want to be a good worshiper. Do you want a mastery in worship? He says you must be temperate. You must understand the principles that why are you to that? You don't just wake up and say, oh, I'm a success. No. Ronaldo just didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm a success. No, 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 no. No. There is something in that boy's spirit that makes him worth $84 million. There's something. There is something in that boy's spirit that makes him worth $84. And that's what creates nations. And that's the difference between nations with a soul and nations without a soul. They don't have any sentimental line and attachment to the pride of the boundaries of habitation and the appointed times. Yet the Lord intended that they should be placed in those places. A guy walks on and says, I'm American. And that's it. Everybody starts to get attention because he's American. Listen, I'm Zion. Hey! Hey! 
But the church must get to a place where when you say I am from Zion, everybody says, wow, those ones fly without visas. Why? Philip showed you how. Philip showed you how. But it's a salvation without the soul. They don't have the core line and experience of what it means to be born again. They don't have it. One time I stood at the banking hall in the corner and then a guy came and then he looked at me and then he slipped down and he said, there's something about that guy in the corner. There's something coming out of him. I, can't, I don't know what, but there's something coming out of him. And then they told him, he's born again. He says, yeah, that's it. That's it. He couldn't just, listen, you must get to a place where you radiate something. You radiate something out of your spirit. Something about you just catches a man's eye. It catches a man's eye. Why? Because the Bible says he maketh our countenance healthy. How can you catch men's eyes and fail to get a job? How can you catch men's eyes and you fail to get married? How can you catch men's eyes and then you fail to land that deal? Something about you must make you more attractive. He says, and ten shall hold on your lapel and say, let us go with you, for we have heard that the Lord is with you. Something must attract men to you. The Bible says that they shall admire you. That's what the Bible says. You must carry something that makes the world admire you. That's the only way we can start preaching the gospel. That's the only way we can start preaching the gospel. What is in a boy who is not born again to draw a worth of $84 million on his head? Whoever thought that they would pay $84 million to just buy one boy. There was a time nobody thought about it. And there's a Christian who doesn't even dream to hold a million dollars in their hands. They'll just get $50,000. 50, just 50, just 50. They're poor. He gets a hundred thousand and the accent changes, right, Pastor? Why? I've seen Christians driving second hand cars, actually fourth hand cars. And the guy packs and then he holds the key so everybody should know, yeah. I got it, baby. It's mine. It's mine. I'm rich. And you never seen Christian or Ronaldo hold keys. But for you're holding them, you're poor. Your spirit is poor. Do you know people just get jobs and they change? Job. 700,000, 1 million. Good morning, Rita. I said good morning, Rita. Why? She got a job. As in, you remember how you treated me? You, you used to think I would not get a job. You, you used to think God would not come out for me. You used to. Now, now you see, even me now, the Lord has exalted me. Now you just buy a good motor. This is a poor man. Tell your neighbor, they're not talking about me, darling. They're not talking. Tell your neighbor, it's not me. How? How can it be me? Can it be me? Listen, be rich, but maintain the purpose. Be rich, but stay humble. Be rich, but stay down to us. Are you hearing me? Have everything in this world, but still put down your head and bow to God and say, casting down golden crowns. You cannot run to tell you. Why? Because none of those things move you anymore. Your spirit is rich. It's rich. It's rich. It's rich. You cannot run to tell you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. But Christians don't brand their spirits. A man gets something and then puts it there and then he sells it expensively and then he goes. And a Christian gets their own, put it there and he doesn't get anything. They don't sell anything. Why? Because they don't brand their spirits. He says that you are a written epistle, known and read by all men. But do you realize he didn't tell you how you will be read? Do you realize he didn't say you will be read this way? He says that you are a written epistle, known and read by all men. And ask the Holy Ghost. So what do we do? He said, determine how you want to be read. He says you are a written epistle, known and read of all men. That means that there is a spiritual substance somewhere in the heavenlies that has set you at a place where even Barack Obama reads you. But for some Christians, when he reads them, he says, Africans. Poor people. Sad world. Trying to get advantage in America. They even deny you visas. Why? Because you look like you won't come back. Ah. He says you're a written epistle. Known and read by all men. When you learn to brand your spirit, a man will trust you with a hundred million dollars. Why? Because he knows this spirit can't rob me. It is too rich. It is richer than a hundred million dollars. Not because of how you're putting it. No, 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 no. But because of what brand? What? Ah, You brand your spirit. You brand your spirit. You brand your spirit. And the first line of brand is to be delivered from the masses of men. Brand yourself as a man who never begs. Africans are beggars. Everywhere they go, oh, ah, we need help. We need aid. We are poor. We are poor. We are poor. We need. We need. We are poor. For us, we're these things saying, who should we lend? Who should we lend? Who should we lend? When will a Christian ever lend? He didn't even say you shall lend your cousin's sister. He said you will lend to... Oh. <laughs> Some people read that scripture and they even die without having seen it. Oh, I decree and declare that the Lord keep you healthy enough to lend a nation in the name of Jesus. And this generation is going to see it. Listen, how can the man tell me you are written a piece of known and read by all men and he doesn't limit me on how I should be read. He doesn't limit you on how long, how much do you want. Listen, if your issue is around to pastor 30 million people, men will start producing for your vision. And they say, oh, fertility rates have grown up. No, it's not fertility rates rates have grown up. No, the man had a vision. He believed on the Lord Jesus. God will make their working schedules flexible for your meeting. He will do everything he must do to keep them. Why? Because you've branded your spirit. You've thought it. You've meditated therein. But go in the meditation of the normal Christian. He said you're known and read by all men. It means anybody in this world you have access to. Yet not everyone has access to you. I wish you got it. You can reach the president. But the president might find it hard to reach you. You can reach the kings of this world. But they might find it too hard to reach you. But look at the Christian. The Christian has put it this end. They, they, when, when they meet the president. They say, oh, I met the president. It's wonderful to meet the president. It's wonderful. But you must understand. That God has placed you above. Look at Elisha. 
Elijah, Elisha, sorry, the Bible says that when the Chesirian people used to go their ends and the armies of Syria go their side, the king, the prophet Elijah comes to the king and tells him, King, hey, hey, hey. The king says, Yes, sir, they're going north. The Bible says, and the Syrian, the Israelites would go and attack Syria in the north. They're going east. And the Israelites would go to his east and attack, and attack the Syrians and beat them every time. Until the king of Syria says, How comest thou that this little small Israel is beating me? And the man told him, Look, the problem is not those guys. The problem is Apostle Grace Rubega. Put your name there. Put it there. Have you put it there? He says the problem is Elisha. For he knows even the things that you discuss in the secret chambers of your bed. He knows. That's the problem. These guys, the arm is nothing. Why? Because Elijah and Elisha carried the kingly anointing of the prophetic grace. These are men who are wise and army. That's why when Elijah is going up, Elisha says, Oh, the chariot of Israel is gone. And the army of Israel. He used to call Elijah the army. Elijah was the army. You did not need SWAT team when you had Elijah. You did not need black number when you had Elijah. Oh, God help the church. God help the church. Now we are the ones begging. Help us. Help us. No, no, no. The kings of this world are supposed to beg you. The presidents of these worlds are supposed to look for you. They're supposed to look for you. And then Elisha says, well, the next day, you realize the king, and look at how cunning it can be. The king of Syria got the whole army for one man. And to, the one thing that touched my soul was this. The scriptures say they surrounded Elisha's house. Meaning that even though he was the army of Israel, he didn't need the army of Israel. He was not under the protection of Israel. You don't understand what I'm saying. Even though he protected them, he didn't need their protection. He was anointed enough. The man of our sight. Are you hearing me? The next day, the guy surrounds them, and then the guy makes himself some coffee. And then the little servant comes. Master, master, they've surrounded us. And God said, open this guy's eyes to see how many Now, many people say that they get excited there, but they don't think for a moment. What meditations drove to a, I mean, do you think Elisha lived a normal life? Because the man with the ability to see angelics surrounding armies could have been seeing more. Look at the normal life of Elisha. Look at the normal life of Elisha the prophet. He would meditate anything. He would see anywhere. And that's the place called the law of liberty. The Greek word there is to see all in all the dimensions of the spirit. He Look at our meditations. That when you walk on the streets, you can know that there's a demon there. You can know who's going to have an accident five meters away. You can know who's going to fall down five, meter, five, 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 five kilometers away. You cannot be accident that is going to happen 16 kilometers away. Why? Because you're in control of your place. Listen. God does not want to give you the best house, the best car, the best ministry. God wants to give you the city. And that is why when he comes to David and says, David says, I want to build you a house. God says, David, 
You're not going to build me a house, but your seed, your word shall build it. The scriptures tell us that Solomon comes in, in church. And remember, the Lord refuses to give David a, 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 a temple, and then he gives him a city, what you call the city of David. So one time Solomon later is walking in the father's city, and then he realizes that where he wants to put the temple was outside the city. What does the Bible say? He extended the borders of that city. What's the principle? He wants to give you Uganda. Then in Uganda, you build the ministry you want. He doesn't want to give you a big ministry in Uganda. He doesn't want to give you a big business in Uganda. No. He wants to give you Uganda and then you put the business you want. I don't really understand what I'm trying to tell you. That's why the watchings of the spirit are not over your kind business. The watchings of the spirit are over your city. He says, unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman watches over nothing. He didn't say, unless the Lord watches over La Bonita. He's not looking at the confines of protection on your home. He wants to give you the responsibility of your nation. Look at Elisha being above the attacks of Syria, but yet he is in charge of the protection of his nation. So they don't bomb us, not because we don't pray, but because we are in the nation. And that's why Joshua 1.8 says, These words shall never depart out of your mouth. And you shall meditate therein, there and night. That you might what? Observe to do. I told people, the first two are instructions. The third is results. Look, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. It means speaking. And then the next line says, but thou shall meditate therein, day and night. That's an instruction. But when you read the next line, it says, that thou mayt observe to do. Is that an instruction? You will eat ice cream that you will become fat. So where is the instruction? What is the result? So he says that thou mayst observe to do. What causes you to do miracles? The meditation of the word and speaking it. The moment you speak it and think it. The moment you speak it and think it. There will be a power. Let me tell you. There will be a power. I'll tell you the truth. This morning I saw me heal that woman. This morning. So you might think, oh, no, 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 no. I saw somebody remove that thing off their hand. You might not believe me, that's a problem. It's not mine. You get what I'm trying to tell you? But I've learned to meditate very. When I wake up, I'm thinking I'm going to raise a dead guy. When I wake up, I think a swelling is going to disappear. I think I'm going to land a certain business deal. I think some favor is going to fall on me. I'm thinking. And the Bible says that you may observe to do. You may perceive the doing. That means the doing comes automatic. By the way, this morning the Lord showed me a vision. As of last night, I saw an anointed guy from Kabari. You know, it's been long since I actually saw men who are doing miracles from Kabari. But that said, the Lord, I saw it. It was about 5 a.m. in the morning. Some guys coming out of Kabari. In a few weeks or months, you're going to hear. There's a guy doing miracles. I saw him. I saw him. I saw him. I saw him. I said, God, it's been long since I saw something from Kavali like that. I saw it. It's coming. So soon you're going to see a guy from Kavali. But with crazy healing anointings. Very crazy. When you still remember, there is more to that story. But let me finish. Listen. He says, thou may observe to do as what? As it is written therein, for then shall thou make 
your way. You shall make your way. Remember, you're the brander, not God. He gave you the word. He says, you shall make your way prosperous and have good success. You make your way. You determine how many buildings you want to build in Kampala. Determine how many churches you're going to build. Determine how many lives you're going to change. Determine how many lives you're going to win to Christ. Determine how long and how wide your ministry is. It's your story. It's your story. He says, your God's workmanship created unto, in Christ Jesus unto good works, for which you were pre-arranged, pre-ordained, pre-anointed that you might walk therein. Listen, I'm drawing my line every day, and I know where it's going. The lines are falling unto us in pleasant places. The Bible says, and we have a goodly heritage. I am thinking on my future. And I'm saying, wow, it's bright. Why? Because the past of the just shines bright and brighter and brighter and brighter and to a perfect day. And to a perfect day. That's why Paul says, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you and give you an inheritance among us them which are sanctified. Just raise your hands and start to think. Meditate. You are doing something new every day of my life. Thank you. You are touching me afraid every moment of my life. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I believe. upon your life in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I decree and declare that with long life he will satisfy you and you shall eat of the good of the land. I decree and declare that the Lord quickens you, the Lord establishes you, the Lord increases you, the Lord multiplies you, the Lord comforts you, the Lord heals you in the name of Jesus. The Lord strengthens you. The Lord works on every side. He has kept a hedge on you. In the name of Jesus Christ. On every side and everything that's yours. 
He maintains your Lord in the name of Jesus. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord in this life. You're going to shake nations in the name of Jesus. Listen, I, I see like seven people here. And I see the word nations are upon their heads. Nations are upon your head. 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 I hear a name called Rita. There's a young lady, you're Rita, you. You're an evangelist, you. You're an evangelist. The Lord anoints you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Surely something happened in your spirit. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.